Well, today we are going to kick off a teaching series. It's actually a, a series that we've done before. We're going to bring it back here for the next six weeks called Summer in the Psalms. We're going to take a little break from Leviticus. We're going to pick back up Leviticus in, uh, in August, not October, August. And for these next six weeks, we're going to look at the Psalms, the songbook of worship, songs of prayers and praise. And, and the Psalms, if you don't know, is this wide-ranging collection. Uh, over a thousand years, the Psalms were written and compiled all the way back in the time of Moses, all the way to the time of the exile and the return from that exile. There's multiple authors. Who, who among the kids, do any of you kids know who wrote the most Psalms? Any kids know? He was a king. I heard it. Who said it? Well, that's my kid. A pastor's kid cannot answer... You should have known that you were disqualified from the competition. It's like when radio stations, they're like, well, no, no employees or people affiliated with the station can win this one. You pastors, kids, can't. it was David. Good job. Yeah, good job, Alina. Good job. <clears throat> David wrote about half the Psalms. Uh, does anyone know who wrote the second most Psalms? Somebody named Anonymous. We don't know. Multiple genres, there's sad songs, there's happy songs, there's psalms of uh, royal celebration for when there's a new king, and there's psalms of wisdom, there's psalms of ascent, like we're going to go to Jerusalem to worship the Lord, and that's actually the one that we're going to look at today. We're going to start by looking at Psalm 118, and our theme today of finding our refuge and finding our security in the Lord. Uh, Ginny is going to come, and she's going to do our scripture reading for us. We're not going to have her read the entire psalm, but just a portion of it to help us focus our time and our hearts on the Lord who is our rock and our refuge and our redeemer. So let's turn our hearts to the reading of God's word right now. This is the word of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let Israel say his faithful love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his faithful love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His faithful love endures forever. I called to the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and put me in a spacious place. The Lord is for me. I will not be afraid. What can a mere mortal do to me? The Lord is my helper. Therefore, I will look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humanity. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in nobles. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the Psalms, and we thank you for the wisdom that they teach us. We thank you for the theology that they teach us. But Lord, we also thank you for the way that they stir our hearts with worship and affection. And Lord, I pray that that would be true today, that we would have our hearts stirred with worship and affection for our Savior Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that we would come to know you as our rock, as our refuge, as our protector, as the one who is our safeguard and our shelter. More than any human or any institution or anything else that we could trust in, Lord, we want to trust in Jesus, who is our Savior, who is our rock, and who is our Redeemer. And it's in his name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So about a week ago, uh, my younger two kids, Hadley and Reagan, decided it was summertime, school's out, so they set up the tent in our backyard. 
And they, did any other kids ever set up a tent in your own backyard, just kind of camp out? Yeah, it's a kind of a fun thing to do. School's out. You can sleep in the tent. Uh, they can apparently sneak all sorts of junk food that I found in the tent yesterday. Uh, they're having a good old time. But there's always that moment as a parent where they set up the tent, they go to sleep outside, and I sit there and I wonder, are they going to get scared and come wake me up in the middle of the night? It always seems to happen. Now, I'm here to report that they have not once, in fact, they've been sleeping in until like 10 o'clock in the morning. It's been glorious. But there's always that moment as a parent where you're just kind of waiting to hear the unzipping of the tent, the thudding of the feet. Dad, there's a raccoon in our tent or whatever, right? It's, it's pretty normal for a kid to get scared and to want to run to mom and dad and get some help. Now, kids, can I let you in on a little secret? Okay, thank you for that permission. <laughs> your moms and your dads still get scared. There's a lot of things in this life that are pretty frightful, are pretty stressful, pretty upsetting. And maybe as grown-ups, we don't do the same thing of running into the, the, the you know, mom and dad's room and say, I need help, I need, I, need your, I need your comfort. But we still run to things. Grown-ups, can we admit it in front of the kids? We run to things sometimes when we're scared, Right? And this psalm is talking about what we do when we're scared, where we go when we experience hardship, what happens to us when we need some sort of safety. And I actually chose this psalm and I chose this theme on purpose today because this is Independence Day weekend. It's 4th of July weekend. And it's a weekend where we uh, get to celebrate the freedoms that we have as a nation and the amazing privileges that we have in this incredible country. And I'm very grateful to be an American and I'm very grateful for the privileges and the freedoms that we have. But I also know that it is very possible for my own sinful heart to trust in the freedoms and the privileges and the, and the nation that I have even more and above the Lord Jesus himself. Anybody tempted in that same way along with me? I'm tempted to trust in our economic prosperity. I'm tempted to trust in our military power. Last, last month, or I guess two months ago now in May, Aaron Lynn and I were in um, South Carolina for the Harbor Network Lead Pastors and Wives Retreat, and we're sitting out on the beach, and we're relaxing. And apparently... There was a military base really nearby, and it was the release of Top Gun or something because all of a sudden there were six fighter jets flying right overhead, not like somewhere off in the distance, like right overhead, and then all of a sudden there was a, uh, one of those helicopters, what is it, what's it called, the, the ones that have the dual props, like a big tr- uh, transport, like an Apache, I think it is, it's a l- Chinook, thank you, yes, thank you, you would know, I appreciate that, thank you. Uh, I always need people to help me out with these things. And all of a sudden, it's like, are we being invaded or did we end up in a you know, real-life reenactment of Top Gun or what's happening here? Because those fighter planes were loud. That helicopter was loud. And it was like both impressive and scary. And I had this thought, I'm really glad I'm on their team. But as impressive as that is, as, as maybe security feeling as that is, The Lord invites us to trust in him above anything else. And that's what this psalm is about. That's what this psalm instructs us toward. 
So you might have heard this at the beginning in our scripture reading, but there's kind of a, a beginning section that's a call and response. The group is gathering together to worship the Lord. And I know it's not printed in your liturgy, but if you have it there in your, in your Bible, or, or I can just tell you, I'll say the first line. I want everyone to repeat after me, his faithful love endures forever. Okay, you ready? So it, it says this. The leader says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And then everyone says, his faithful love endures forever. Let all of Israel say, his faithful love endures forever. Let the, the house of Aaron, the, the priests that lead the worship, let the house of Aaron say, his faithful love endures forever. And let everyone who trusts in or fears the Lord say, his faithful love endures forever. And now a single speaker steps forward and says, here's some things that we need to remember when it comes to trusting in the Lord. There's four things. There's distress, there's danger, there's death, and there's disgrace. Look at distress. Verse five, I called to the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and put me in a spacious place. The Lord is for me. I will not be afraid. What can a mere mortal do to me? The Lord is my helper. Therefore, I will look on in triumph on those who hate me. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humanity. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in nobles. Now, this psalm was not one of the psalms written by David. This is from that other person, anonymous, anonymous. We don't know who wrote this psalm. We don't know what troubles they may have been facing, but we can, we can look at the world and we can know there's just troubles. There's just things that distress us. There's things that stress us. Anybody ever felt stress? Anybody, anybody feeling stress right now? There's, there's every, you know, everything from, from financial worries to parents trying to raise your kids or maybe kids, your parents are stressing you out or homework or work or school or just the, the frustrations of life. Anyone ever have like car troubles? Anyway, just things in life that just stress us out. I feel distressed. We, I, here's what, I'll show you one. I've been fuming this morning because as you leave, you may notice that there's a giant pile of like chipped up tree branches and mulch over in the corner of the parking lot. We did not order that. Someone has just been coming. This is the second time they've done it and they just dumped tree branches in our parking lot. I don't have many pet peeves, but that's one of them right there, okay? If you want to take a garbage bag with you when you leave too and just take it home and put it in your yard waste, that would really help us out. But just the stresses of life, right? I mean, and I know that's not really like that big of a deal, but it was frustrating and now we have to figure it out and somebody has to clean it up and what sorts of things cause you distress? The psalmist is acknowledging that life is full of stressors. But then the psalmist says there's more than just stress. There's actual danger. All the nations, in verse 10, all the nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I destroyed them. They surrounded me. Yes, they, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I destroyed them. They surrounded me like bees. Is anyone here allergic to bee stings? Man, that's a, that's a, uh, it's, a bee is an annoyance when you're allergic. It's a real danger. But they were extinguished like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I destroyed them. They pushed me hard to make me fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Now, we go from distress, the stresses of life, the frustrations of life. Now we've leveled up to legitimate danger. 
This last week, I took a very short trip home to Alaska to visit my grandmother, who is very likely facing the last days of her life. And my parents' house uh, is about four blocks away from my sister's house. And it's a little trail through the woods. And as a kid, I used to ride my bike in those woods all the time. And I saw so many moose back there. Never really saw bears in those woods. The bears didn't come down quite that far. But over the last few years, more and more bears have been showing up in those woods. My mom made a big, like literally like a Thanksgiving dinner, because our family's weird. She made a July 1st Thanksgiving dinner. Turkey, stuffing, gravy, mashed potatoes. And we ate it all together. It was really delicious. It was really good. And then I got a text from my sister saying that she didn't have time to make dinner and was wondering if there was extra Thanksgiving food that, I, that we could like bring over to them. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm free. I'll, I'll walk over to your house and bring you a bunch of turkey and gravy. And so I pack it up in a bag and I start walking. It's only four or five blocks away. And I start walking through the woods with a bag full of turkey and gravy and I was like, man, did I coat myself with some of this gravy? Like, hello, bears. Like, where are you? I, just, I all of a sudden had this incredible sense of, I, I wonder if my life is in danger right now. I've been away from Alaska far too long. I'm happy to report, as you can tell, I made it safely through. Uh, it was actually my sister's dog that I needed to be scared of. But, uh, you know, we in life, we face legitimate danger. A car accident, a serious illness, uh, wildfires, reading of reports of war. There are legitimate dangers that surround us, like, like the dangerous bees that is surrounding the psalmist here. And we need to honestly face those dangers, but remember that the Lord invites us to call upon him and to trust in him. The third thing that the psalmist says that troubles us is death itself. Verse 15, there are shouts of joy and victory in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand performs valiantly. The Lord's right hand is raised. The Lord's right hand performs valiantly. I will not die. The psalmist was saying, I'm facing death, but I'm, I'm, I'm delighted. I'm not going to die. But I will live and proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord disciplined me severely, but did not give me over to death. As I mentioned, I was there in Alaska to help move my grandmother into my parents' house. I'll share about my grandmother for a brief moment here because from the time I was a little kid, I knew that this grandma didn't, didn't believe in Jesus, didn't walk with the Lord, and they come from the generation where we don't talk about politics, we don't talk about religion, we don't talk about those things, we just be nice people and enjoy nice things. And from the time I was a little kid, my grandma and grandpa paid for all of my music lessons. My parents, as young parents, like many young parents, just couldn't afford those things. And so uh, I was given piano lessons, drum lessons, guitar lessons. Uh, from the time I was very little, my grandma paid for it. As us grandkids, we start to get a little bit older, my grandparents set up a scholarship fund so they could help pay for continuing education. For my, my undergrad degree, I had a scholarship, so she didn't help with that. But when it came time to do my master's degree in theology, my seminary degree, my non-believing grandma paid for my master's degree in theology. And it was like maybe two or three Sundays ago, I was playing guitar, and then I got up to preach. I knew I was going to go visit my grandma, and I was just thinking, 
all this, everything that I'm able to do to help lead this church, musically and theology, has all been paid for by my grandma, who had never walked with the Lord. Now, my mom's been sharing the gospel with her for years, for 35 years since my parents met Jesus. And over the last four or five years, my grandma has become more open to the things of the Lord and was more open to talk with my mom about these things and more open to consider, yeah, I think there might be a God and maybe I would read the Bible with you. My grandpa passed away a few years and my grandma started dating in her 80s. Take heart, some of you single folks. There's time. You've got plenty of time. And the guy that she met is like a full-on, sold-out follower of Jesus. And he started saying, you need to like find a church and you need to start reading the Bible. And she's, so she started listening to him. She started reading the Bible and she started praying a little bit. And she started, okay. Over the summer, my grandma received a, a, a dire diagnosis with cancer. And my mom sat down with her and said, we, we, we need to have a conversation about what happens after you die. And you can know that your eternal soul is secure before the Lord. And my mom got to pray with her mom and lead her to the Lord in her 80s. And she is now a follower of Jesus. And we got to sit and pray with her. And it's... So now that happened a few months ago. And over the last few months, my grandma's been saying things like, man, I... I don't know what it would be like to walk through this without Jesus. I couldn't imagine. Now we've got our family and we've got Jesus. And she was saying things like, I have this warmth in my heart. I've got this warmth in my life. And I I can face these last years or these last months or honestly, we don't know. It could be weeks. But I wanted to share that with you because A, uh, she paid for my music and my theology lesson. So if I'm able to serve you, Y'all don't appreciate my grandma enough, okay? (laughs) But we have a new sister. We got a new member of the family of God. And death doesn't get the final say. And she's able to rejoice along with the psalmist that death doesn't get the final say. There's one more trouble that the psalmist, ooh, okay, get it back together. I'm so happy, you guys. There's one more trouble that the psalmist highlights for us. It's disgrace. He says, open the gates of righteousness for me. I will enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the Lord's gate and the righteous will enter through it. And I will give thanks to you because you've answered me and become my salvation. He says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. It's a construction metaphor. We're entering into the temple complex. It's a big construction project. And he said there was this rejection. There was a stone that, that, you know, it's like if you've ever built a house or if you've ever done a construction project, you know, you, you look down the two by four and it's all warped and it's crooked. Yeah, I can't use this. And you kind of chuck it off to the side. And, and the psalmist is saying, yeah, they had a stone like that that no one thought was going to be any good. You couldn't use it. And they rejected it. It was a disgraced stone. But the, the psalmist says that stone now has actually become the most important piece in the building. This came from the Lord It's wondrous in our sight. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. That feeling of rejection, that feeling of disgrace, I'll be honest, for some people, that actually feels worse than facing death. (laughs) The, The idea of being mocked, the idea of being rejected, the idea of being cast aside, that's a trouble we face in life. 
That's a trouble we even as Christians, as followers of Jesus face in life, the idea of rejection and disgrace, particularly in a society that, that seems uh, more and more to be, to be moving in a direction uh, away from the things of the Lord, we as followers of Jesus will face disgrace. It's another one of those troubles. So we have distress, we have danger, we have death, and we have uh, uh, disgrace that we all face And all of these things trouble us. All of these things unsettle us. I've literally faced all four of these things or looked at or brushed up against all four of these things in the last week of my life. And so the question is, where do we turn? As as Pastor John was leading us in our confession earlier, the, the reality is that we are not steadfast. We are not a rock. We are fickle. Our hearts turn from one thing to the next. Our hearts turn to pleasure. Uh, pleasure, food, drink, entertainment, uh, physical pleasure, relational pleasure, endless tick talk videos that make you chuckle or laugh. It's just, I, I don't like the feeling of distress. I don't like feeling like I'm in danger. I don't like looking at death. So I'm just going to distract myself with pleasure. Others of us turn to people. I'm going to find Mr. Right, or I'm going to find Miss Right, or I'm going to find a leader or a, an author or a, a blogger or a podcaster or a pastor or a community group leader or a friend. I'm going to you know, hitch my wagon to this person. This person will be my everything. This person will be my all in all. And they will help me when I feel danger. They will help me when I feel disgrace. They will rescue me. For some, it's pleasure. For some, it's people. For others, it's power. I will seek power, financial power. I'm going to get as much money as I possibly can, and my financial power will be what saves me. For others, it's political power. I'm going to hitch my wagon to this politician or this party or this platform or this ruling. It's nobles and princes in the language of the psalm. These politicians will protect me. Friends, the relentless call in the psalms is to put our trust in the Lord. This is the relentless call. And can we just have a moment of honesty and confession, a a raising of hands and a showing that say, Lord, I am prone to trust in other things besides you. Anyone with me? Lord, my fickle heart, my weak heart, my fearful heart, I just, I can just, you know, all the things I just said, my own heart can go between those. Listen to what this psalmist says, just a selection throughout the psalm. I called to the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me. The Lord is for me. I will not be afraid. What, what could a mere mortal do to me? What's the worst thing a mere mortal could do to us? Kill us. The Lord is my helper. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humanity. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in royalty or nobles and princes. Verse 13, the nations pushed me hard to make me fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord has become my salvation. The Lord's right hand performs valiantly. The Lord's right hand is raised. The Lord's right hand performs valiantly. Whenever you read in the Bible, the Lord's right hand, you want to think like the Lord is like flexing on him. You, you can't see my huge arms because they're in a jacket right now, but you know. Uh, 
right? Like you got to think like this is, this is God, like this is like a kid running into a parent's bedroom saying I'm scared of something and like, like dad, like an actual yoked dad, like getting out of bed, like all right, let's go deal with that raccoon or whatever it is, right? Like this is what the Lord is doing for his children who call upon his name. Is there anyone stronger than our Lord? Is there anyone who has more power than our God? Is there anyone more faithful than our God? Is there anyone more loving than our God? Why do we turn to these other things? Why do we turn to the left and to the right? And friends, ultimately, the Lord has displayed his strong and powerful right hand, his holy arm, in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the arm of the Lord that has been revealed for us. Jesus is God's ultimate strength and power and love and rescue, all revealed in in, in just the most concentrated way possible. See, Jesus faced distress, did he not? Jesus was hungry. Jesus was hurried in busyness, and Jesus had travel, and Jesus faced temptation. He faced all of the distresses of life that we faced. He never faced like, you know, a car breaking down, but I'm sure he had a wagon wheel fall off or something. All of the normal, just normal stresses of life. But Jesus also faced danger, did he not? The stormy seas, the mob that's coming to get him and throw him off of a cliff. Jesus faced disgrace. Jesus faced rejection from family members. He faced mockery from religious leaders. When he was arrested, he faced the disgrace of a mock trial. He was stripped in public, led away to be crucified. And there, on Calvary's hill, Jesus faced death itself. All of the things that the psalmist has pointed us to, Jesus faced and more. And do you know why he did it? to redeem and rescue and save lost, worried people like you and me. And on the third day, I don't know if you know this, Jesus didn't stay dead. But he got up out of that grave. He got up out of that tomb. And he declared that even the worst thing we could face, death itself, now has no claim on him. And friends, if you, by faith, are united to Jesus, well, then your disgrace is dealt with. And your distress is dealt with. And your danger is dealt with. And even death itself is dealt with. Because Jesus said, whoever believes in him will not die, but will live forever. And on the last day, he will raise us up and we'll be the inheritors of a renewed heavens and a renewed earth with renewed bodies, everything as it should be. Praise God. This is our Savior, Jesus. And now all who trust in Jesus find their vindication along with him. And so this Independence Day weekend, we remember that our ultimate hope is not a nation but a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Our ultimate hope is not in a politician, but in the king of kings and the Lord of lords who will rule and reign forever. He never gets voted out of office. There's no midterms for Jesus. Our ultimate trust is not in a military, but the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies is his name. Our ultimate hope is not in an economic recovery, but an eternal treasure and inheritance that can't be taken away. Moth and rust won't destroy and Bitcoin won't crash. We don't trust in any human being. 
We don't trust in any powers. We don't trust in any pleasures. We trust in a Savior who loves us and gave his life for us. And so this week, as you face the distresses of life, as you face maybe dangers of life, as you brush up even against death or read about death or have people in your life who are facing down death, my encouragement to you is to remember the words of Psalm 118. His steadfast love endures forever. I encourage you to pause whatever you're doing. Stop what you're doing in the middle of it and just pray. Lord, would you help my heart to not run to one thing or the other, but to just trust in you. Maybe you need to put some sticky notes on your bathroom mirror, on your refrigerator. Maybe you need to, uh, uh, you know, you know, turn off your, your news or social media for a week. Maybe you just need to throw your phone in a lake. Amen. For Jesus. Do it for Jesus, okay? Whatever you need to do, I encourage you to put your trust in Jesus. When you're feeling unsettled, put your trust in Jesus. When someone mocks you for being a follower of the one true God, put your trust in Jesus. When you get that news that a family member is maybe facing death, put your trust in Jesus. At the end of the psalm, there's one final word of praise. There's one final call and response where the people say what we said earlier, right? His faithful love endures forever. The group joins back in after the psalmist has gone through all of these dangers, all of these things. And the psalmist cries out, Lord, save us. Please grant us success. He who comes in the name of the Lord is blessed. Jesus is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God and has given us light. Bind the festival sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. That's some Leviticus sacrifice stuff right there. We'll get back to that in August. You are my God. I will give you thanks. You are my God. I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And all God's people said together, his faithful love endures forever. Lord, I pray that this week, whether we're young or old or somewhere in between, when we feel distressed, when we feel in danger, when we feel disgraced, Lord, would we put our trust in you? Would you be our rock? Would you be our refuge? Would you be our strong tower? Lord, would we run to you and find our safety? Would we be reminded of what Jesus has done for us, his death on the cross and his resurrection to free us from the ultimate danger, even of death itself. Lord, I ask and I pray that we would take refuge in you. We would trust in you because you love us. Because Jesus, you gave your life for us to redeem us. And Lord Jesus, you're coming again one day and we will get to live with you in perfection for all of eternity. And for that, we thank you in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen.